Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by the Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. The following sermon is by Dr. Danny Campbell, senior pastor at the Tabernacle, and was recorded during our Sunday morning service. Additional information about the Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles as we join Dr. Danny for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And as you're turning there, just want to say, uh, God does give divine appointments. And you never know when they're going to happen. They often come at the most inconvenient of times. Uh, Matt was on his way to a meeting, very important meeting, to talk about giving out Bibles to people. And all of a sudden he had to stop because God was giving him an opportunity to give a Bible to somebody. And uh, the Lord works from there. And, and that uh, sounds kind of silly, but that's oftentimes how it happens. You know, you might even have something good you're going to do for the Lord, but the Lord has given you a conversation that you want to stop. And uh, you need to have a willing heart. You can tell Matt loves people and wants them to come to know Christ like he has. You have to have a heart that loves God and loves people. You have to slow down and, and open your eyes and your ears, listening and looking around you to see where God's at work so you can join him in what he's doing. It, it may uh, take you away from what you thought you were going to do in that next few minutes. You need to feel the tug of the Holy Spirit when he says, the person you just walked by, I want you actually to go back to and talk to some more. Um, And you have to be courageous and open your mouth. The difference, you know, our our goal at the tabernacle is to reproduce faithful and fruitful followers of Jesus Christ. If you're going to share with others about the Lord, the time comes where you're going to have to courageously just do it, right? Right. And doing that will be the difference between bearing fruit for the Lord and not. I mean, we all get afraid. We all can pull back. We can all get distracted. We can all get frustrated. It's that moment in that courage that you do that, you're going to get that opportunity and let the Lord decide what happens uh, with that moment. Uh, So critical if you're going to make a difference for the Lord. Well, you've turned to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 there. And I love how our passage and music all goes together with the testimony and the way the Lord works things out like that. You know, as uh, Steve Martin would say, it's been a wild and crazy year, hasn't it? It sure has. We have had to deal with one change or cancellation after another going all the way back to March. Remember how it all unfolded before us in March? Pro sports were canceled. When we the NBA canceled, we knew, uh-oh, here it goes, and the dominoes began to fall. Spring sports for high school students were canceled and changed many of your plans that you wanted to watch baseball, games canceled, softball, games canceled. Uh, the country locked down for what looked like maybe two weeks. Two weeks became two months. Some of the parts of the country have not opened back up yet. Nursing home visitation is still canceled. And think about all that time since uh, moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads and great-grandmoms and great-granddads haven't had the hugs from their loved ones like we would like them to have. Back in April, Easter at the Tabernacle, our tremendous music program was canceled, and that was such uh, hard to deal with. And we had drive-in church. That's right. You know, you go to drive-in movies, we had drive-in church, and some churches are still doing only drive-in church, and that's okay. In May, Mother's Day was overshadowed with not wanting to give mama COVID. 
Same thing with Father's Day. Uh, Memorial Day parade was canceled. Graduations were postponed or adjusted, but it wasn't the same as the moments we thought we were going to have with our high school and college graduates. Uh, In June, vacation Bible school at the tabernacle was canceled. And we love doing vacation Bible school. It's a highlight of the year. Every year people take vacation time to do it, and we had to cancel it. Family vacations had to be taken at our own risk, and we know people right here at the Tabernacle, they took their family vacation and came back with the COVID. In July, we sent our youth to youth camp, and they had to end it early and send the kids back home because they had an outbreak going on down there. Most of the fireworks we saw were on TV because you couldn't gather in large crowds to watch fireworks. You watched them from your car or uh, on the TV. In August, people still couldn't gather to watch concerts or sports, but there were big protests in some cities, and we wondered what all's going on. As for school, as it started, some days were on, other days were canceled, right? In September, fall sports were postponed, and Labor Day events, once again, were canceled. In October... Trick-or-treat time was canceled or adjusted, and we had here a trunk-or-treat in the rain all around rather than uh, being inside our gym for our fall festival. Now we're in November. The election has happened but is not yet all the way resolved. COVID numbers are going up, and many people have canceled Thanksgiving plans. And so in that context this past week, I looked on. It wasn't a surprise, but it still was kind of like, whoa. And I saw that Macy's is getting out the floats, and they're going to have the singers sing for national TV because you got to do it for the TV, right? But they're not going to do the parade. And it itself was canceled. That parade usually has 8,000 volunteers working it and it goes before 3.5 million people lining all the streets as they wind their way through New York streets. It's a big deal, but it's not happening this year like it has just the TV version for TV revenue. It's canceled. Well, folks, today, this Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to look at a time the Apostle Paul was in a season of frustration and uncertainty, like some of us are now. But he encouraged himself by thinking about, literally thinking about, an uncanceled parade that all Christians, these verses tell us, are already participating in. Hopefully that whets your appetite for what comes next. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Furthermore, Paul writes, When I came to Troas, the city of Troas, to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. But I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus, my Christian brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia." Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. To others, the aroma of life leading to life. And who among us, who is sufficient for these things. Thankful for the uncanceled parade. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the time we've already had in your house. Uh, I am just rejoicing in my own spirit 
for the testimony, the songs. It has been good to worship you, to sing praises, to gather with other believers, to pray for those who need a touch from you, and to hear of you still leading in divine encounters like you did in the days of the apostles. Lord God, as we look at this text and we see that we can always be thankful to God who leads us in the triumph of Christ, who leads us in triumph in Christ. Lord, I thank you that, as we sang about a little while ago, that on the cross, on that cruel cross, Jesus, you achieved a victory that cannot be taken from anybody who embraces it by faith, who embraces you by faith, who starts that eternal relationship with you that will continue on after this life first in heaven, later on a new earth and a new body. Lord, we love your plan. We are so thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for the, uh, for the tremendous worldwide global offer of the gospel that literally anybody can go from being one who is under the condemnation of death to the victory of life because you've achieved life. Oh, Lord, for the world to have faith in you. Oh, God, we are so inspired by Matt's testimony. Lord, may you use everybody in the room this year to lead somebody to Christ, to point them the right direction, God, to at least be courageous enough to share. And Lord, we're mindful that many of us feel hopelessly inadequate for the task of sharing with anybody, even our friends, let alone those we don't know or who discourage us or who are against us in many ways. Lord, Most all the people listening to this now don't feel adequate for that. We agree with Paul who said, who is sufficient for these things? And the answer is really none of us. But Lord, we're also mindful that anybody who's been to Sunday school in America for a year has more knowledge than third world pastors do. And and so none of us with the resources we have can say we're not equipped to share. We are. And help us, Lord, to have those divine encounters, Lord, and to embrace them. Thank you that even when we don't, your victory parade still marches on, Lord God. As we put this image in our mind today straight out of 2 Corinthians, Lord, I pray that it will be remembered Thanksgiving Day and the rest of the year to come that we are marching toward Zion in the victory parade of Jesus. In Christ's name I pray, amen. This is quite a passage, and it takes quite a turn as you read it, because Paul starts by, in verses 12 and 13, admitting being distracted during recent ministry. And how many evangelists get up and tell you, he says, listen, I want to tell you about a time I blew it because I was so distracted. And yet that's kind of what Paul does here about his time in Troas. He's confessing to the church of Corinth, but he's talking about how he kind of didn't make the most of his opportunities when he was Troas. Look at verse 12. It says, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. So Paul got to Troas. And as he was uh, going before the people, he wanted to preach the gospel. And the people were ready. The Christians were ready to grow. The non-Christians were ready to turn to Christ. It was a great open door for him to share. And, but Paul admits something. Look, and he says in verse 13, But I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them. Taking his leave of who? The people in Troas who were ready and willing and able to hear what he had to say. He took leave of them because he was so restless and so distracted that he had to solve this thing. He had to get this information he didn't have. He needed to find Titus, his brother, to make sure he was okay, but also that the church in Corinth was okay. Paul admits that he was trying to do what God wanted him to do, but he had no rest in his spirit. 
Does that describe you this year? (laughs) You want to serve Jesus in 2020, but you haven't had any rest in your spirit. It's just all been kind of overwhelming. You're distracted with concerns about your own health uh, or about someone in your family's health, or you're distracted by school, on again, off again, uh, college the same way. Uh, You're distracted by work. Is your job in jeopardy? Or how is this going to work, wearing these masks at work all the time, and this and that and the other? When will things open up? Uh, The church, with all the different things we've had to do as time has passed, it's all been kind of overwhelming for our lay leaders and people alike. Uh, boy, how distracted are we by not being able to visit our loved ones in the hospitals when they're in there or the nursing homes when they're continually in there and we want to see them and hug them? Well, uh, uh, (laughs) then we've been distracted by this election and all that comes along with that. Frustration, distraction, no rest in our spirit. Uh, The plans you had for this year, some of them have been blown to pieces as the year has unfolded. And you want to serve Jesus, but you've stayed frustrated. You've had no rest in your spirit like Paul talks about here. And that's what was happening to him. He had a great plan. Paul had a great plan that had been blown up by circumstances beyond his control, and he was distracted. Here's what Paul thought he would do when you read this in other passages. Uh, Before going to Troas, Paul had sent his trusted uh, disciple Titus to Corinth to check on them. Why? Because when Paul was last in Corinth, there was sin in the camp. He had sinful things he needed to address among them, and he had told them firmly, he had told them directly that they needed to repent uh, or God couldn't bless them, right? They needed to repent and get back on track with God. That's never an easy message to deliver, and as of Paul's leaving, he wasn't sure that they were going to do it. And so he's like, man, that's such a key church and such a key city. I need to know that they're on the right track. And so he sent Titus to check on how they were doing. Paul's plan was that they would reunite in the city of Troas, kind of a port city that had overland route to it and you could sail to another place from there. They would meet in Troas, he'd get that report, and then he'd win all of Troas to the Lord uh, before he went to the next place and tried to win all of that next city to the Lord. He had a great plan. But Titus wasn't there in Troas when he got there. And Paul felt deep anxiety, not only about Titus, but how the church in Corinth was doing. And so Paul had relational concern there, and he got up to the people of Troas. He tried to teach, he tried to preach, but but he found himself with no rest in his spirit. and and, And he had to say something along the lines of, I'm sorry, you guys. You know I love you. You know Jesus loves you but I'm going to have to come back after I get this other thing resolved. And that's kind of how year year has been, right? Uh, You had all kinds of great plans for your Troas ministry, your Troas impact, and all of a sudden you had to go find somebody and figure out what had just happened. So Paul describes having to do that. We read here in verse 13 that he actually put on hold that ministry and went to Macedonia, probably Philippi, and met Titus there so he could get the word he needed even sooner. Turn over to chapter 7 and we'll read just a little bit more about that, uh, how that went before we move on. So chapter 7 verse 2, Paul writes to the Corinthians, hey, open your hearts to us. 
We have wronged no one, we've corrupted no one, we've cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I've said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I hope you feel like that about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I'm filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our trouble. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. So Paul writes Corinthians, probably 2 Corinthians, probably from Philippi. And as he's writing to them back in chapter 2, we read that, that he wasn't able to come because he had to go find Titus. And then just Paul kind of stops after he admits to blowing the opportunity in Troas. And what comes next is such a great word about times you feel like that too. So in verses 14 through 16, Paul gives thanks that Christians are in Christ's triumph parade. I love the words how verse 14 starts, now thanks be to God. I hope you're thankful to God and you can say with a a pure heart before the Lord, thanks be to God. And as this week unfolds and you move towards Thanksgiving Day, you're able to thank God for his creation of you, the passions he's given you, the gifts, the talents, the salvation if you're in Christ, the family members, the friends, all the ways that God has blessed your life. Uh, Such an important time is Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday of the year. Paul says, thanks be to God. And then he says, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now, stick with me on this and you'll get a blessing. The words leads us in triumph, there's just one word in the Greek for that, those uh, three or four words. And it's triumbuo, triumbuo. It's a present active participle. It's present, that means it's happening right now. It's active, that means it's ongoing, present and ongoing. Participle, it means to lead in a triumph. And the picture here is the triumphal entry of a military hero into the city of Rome, just like we saw in the video of Ben-Hur there. Now, Paul would have been very familiar with this kind of triumph parade. Uh, We just saw the clip, but to get a triumph parade, uh, historians tell us that a victorious Roman general had to meet three certain criteria, at least three and maybe even more sometimes. He had to conquer new territory for Rome on foreign soil. In other words, his efforts have to have expanded the map of the Roman Empire. He also had to kill at least 5,000 enemy soldiers. You just get an ovation if you killed less than that. But to get a triumph, you had to kill at least 5,000. This had to be a decisive victory. And thirdly, the victory had to be so decisive that those who fought with you had the option of once coming home, staying home. Right? Pretty cool. The 5th century historian Horatius tells us that there were at least 320 triumph parades in Roman in the Roman Empire up through the first century uh, AD. So every year, year and a half or so, they had one of these triumph parades and they were a big deal. Now catch this in your minds. Paul writes 2 Corinthians about 55 AD from Philippi probably. And he would have been familiar with this practice of holding a triumph. In fact, just to give you an example of that, how we know this to be the case, um, Claudius in 43 AD, 
went up to Britain and made Britain part of the Roman Empire. And that's huge. Commemorative coins were minted in A.D. 46 and 47. An ark, like the Ark of Titus, uh, an ark for Claudius was dedicated in Rome in 51 A.D. Paul probably in his pockets had some coins that had Claudius's inscription on them. And let me show you an example of that now. These coins are almost 2,000 years old now. Coins from, again, 46, 47 A.D. So coming up on 2,000 years old is that coin that you're looking at there. And uh, I wish I had it. I don't. I got it off the, um, they got this thing called the internet and I got it off of there. And uh, the fella, that good looking guy in the picture, that's actually Claudius. That's the victorious general. And the image on the right says De Breton, Claudius conqueror of Britain. And what it's showing there is scenes from a Roman triumph <laughs> with servants that he's won, prisoners that are with him, from the conquering of Britain. That's Claudius riding the one who was victorious over Britain. Undoubtedly scenes from the triumph parade that they held for him uh, during that time. So now listen to this. These parades would go forward in three stages. And Paul's drawing in that meaning as he gives it to us here in a few other passages also. Stage one would be the Roman senators would be in the front of the parade. Now, you know politicians, they got to get their photo op, right? We made it possible for the troops to go, and so we get to march out in the front. Very front of the parade, the Roman senators. Then the trumpeters. Didn't you like those trumpets, those of you that play trumpet and stuff, with the circle on it? Oh, man, I like that one, you know. That was pretty cool. Then they would have floats, just like in a Macy's Day parade, they would have floats with giant paintings on them depicting how the territory had been expanded, showing the map of conquered Britain or wherever it was. They would have floats depicting uh, some of the scenes from the area and from the victorious battle. And then they sometimes would have a float with actors acting out the victorious battle and scenes that were already becoming famous in the people's mind and would be forever more famous after that day. After that, there, it's still stage one, there'd be the spoils of war. If they conquered an African city, maybe they'd bring an elephant or a giraffe or a, some, a cheetah or something like that, one of those wild animals. And so these are the kind of animals that country has there that are now going to be in Rome's zoos. They would, have, they would show the booty, the gold and the treasure and all the different things that they'd conquered there. And then they would show prisoners of war, including sometimes the defeated king of that country, who at the end of the parade was going to be made a spectacle of through being executed, as well as the prisoners that weren't going to submit to Rome's authority. So some prisoners were destined for execution that very day. Others were destined for freedom that very day because they'd been identified as those who were ready to come under Rome's authority. Well, then stage two would come. Stage two would be the victorious general riding a chariot pulled by four white horses. Hey, they tried to start out doing that with uh, elephants, but they wouldn't fit under the gate. So they switched to four white horses, and that became the thing to do. Um, he was dressed as if he was Jupiter, who in their minds was the best of gods. The Romans called him Jupiter. The Greeks called him Zeus, the best of gods in their mind. Also in that stage, there'd be white bulls and oxen that would later be sacrificed uh, at the end of the parade, and then they would be turned into a barbecued dinner. And then also in stage two, right after the sacrifices, would be the, the wife, 
the sons and the daughters and other relatives from the extended family of the conquering general. So crazy Uncle Leo might be in that march, right? Because uh, uh, whoever's in your family, all of a sudden he's family members to the great general. So they got their chance to wave and all that. Then stage three would come. Some say that in some of these triumphs, the prisoners that were going to be released and freed would be at this point in the parade, and they'd get into uh, function in Roman society after that. Uh, then came the victorious soldiers in the army, and we're told they would sing loud and bawdy songs you know, as they'd come in. They were celebrating that they were part of the victory. Well, the course they would take is the triumph would start outside the city, go through the triumphal gate, and cross the Tiber River. All along the road would be cheering crowds. They were shouting praises for this general. They were shouting excited uh, patriotic uh, Roman chants. And all along the way, they had incense they were burning. And it filled the air. It was a pungent smell. And if you were in that parade and you were walking with that parade route, it was the sweet smell of victory if your side had won, but if you were one of those guys that was on your way to possible, probable execution, judgment and execution, when you finally got to the emperor, the general's train is riding toward the emperor, this, this whole parade route is marching toward where the emperor is, it was the smell of your death that was about to happen in the air. They would be, then they'd get, uh, they'd go to the Circus Maximus. Have you ever heard of the Circus Maximus? It's a racetrack. 150,000 people the place holds. And they'd take two or three laps around that, and common people from the city were gathered there, the plebeians, and they were cheering it on. Then they would go around the Palatine Hill and onto the Via Sacra, the sacred road, lined with its temples to these Roman gods. And the bigwigs would watch from there. And then it would stop, the procession would stop at the Temple of Jupiter, the best and greatest God. There the white bulls would be sacrificed. Many of the prisoners would be separated out and killed. They were going to be made a spectacle of. And then there'd be a big feast for the triumphal general and his troops. And that is a Roman triumph. Do you understand what Paul is saying here as he relates this to his time in Troas and then celebrating before the people of Corinth what is always true even when we feel like we might have missed an opportunity or two along the way? You know, it's unfortunate here that the King James reads causes us to triumph because that's not how the Greek reads. A present active participle, the way it works out is it's he's leading us in triumph, not causing us to triumph. He's the one that's triumphed and he's leading us is what it's saying. The battle had been fought over there and won decisively and the march started and it's marching all the way up to the emperor's presence and he's leading us as that goes along. So here's what it is. Romans 2.14 says that God is presently leading us in Christ's triumph celebration he earned by defeating Satan. <laughs> Even amidst the temporary setbacks we experience in this life, we can be confident that we are marching towards Zion following in the Lord's footsteps. Isn't that great? Maybe your mind went to Ephesians 4.8, which says that Christ ascended on high. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Maybe you're thinking of that Hebrews 2.13 where uh, the Messiah says to the Father, Christ says to the Father, here am I and the children you have given me. Right? The children in there. In the Roman triumph, there were slaves, there were sons, and there were soldiers. 
And you know that this was in the apostles' minds when they write about how you and I are like slaves who have been set free, bought at a price by Christ, right? Redeemed out of that former life to now live for him and his glory. How the New Testament says we're now sons and daughters adopted by faith into Christ's family. And we're like soldiers advancing Christ's kingdom. All of those metaphors that are in that parade relate to us. I love how Paul thought of that as he was in the city of Philippi. Many people had been saved. Many people got saved in Corinth. Some had been saved in Troas, despite him being a little dis, uh, you know, di- distracted there. I love how Paul looked around him and he saw lots of lostness. He saw lots of people walking the path that would ultimately lead to hell if they didn't turn to Christ. He saw so many people like that And he knew that part of what he was doing was doing something about it as he loved people in the name of Christ and as he shared with them. And he was able to visualize over his present circumstances the limited response that we see as we do what we do for the Lord. He was able to visualize above that how history is marching toward, based on what Christ did victoriously at the cross, history is marching toward the time where Christ's procession will come all the way up to the presence of the Father. And he'll say, here am I and the children, the sons and daughters you've given me. It's so powerful to think about. Because Paul was able, in the midst of any discouragement he had and frustrating circumstances and restless spirit times, to see that he was part of something as he marched day to day and he saw a lot of people that smelled what he had to offer and said, this is the aroma of death. I don't want anything to do with that judgmental message. And he's like, no, the judgment I'm preaching is that Christ took your judgment on himself. And as people got in on that, what they smelled was life. Oh, my sins can be forgiven. I can go to heaven instead of hell. What a great message. I'm in, I'm in. And Paul was able to bring that all the way back to the present moment as he was living his life. And we heard about that in Matt's testimony there. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Every place you go this week, you diffuse a fragrance for Christ. If you are faithfully serving him, even when it doesn't feel like you're making an impact, it's, it's an aroma of some kind. And for those God's drawing into salvation through your faithful witness, it's the aroma of life to those who reject you. They're not really rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. And it's the aroma of judgment to come, just as was true during that parade. Folks, in the midst of his frustrating circumstances, Paul saw that Christ's victory on the cross was leading all Christians in a triumph, and it gave him a thankful heart. I hope you think about that this week whether your spirit's restless or whether it's full of thankfulness, thanks be to God who's leading us in the triumph as his servants, as his sons, as his soldiers, even when we've got a restless spirit and don't feel like we make a difference from day to day. Give thanks to, for Christ, to Christ this week about that. He ends by saying, who is sufficient for these things? Paul saw these cities filled with lostness, these people all around him who weren't turning to Christ. He saw some that were, he rejoiced, but as people weren't, 
He looked around him and said, man, who is sufficient to get the message to these people in the most compelling way so that they'll turn from their sin and turn to Christ? He said, I'm not sufficient. But he answers his own question in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, where he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Isn't that wonderful to think about this Thanksgiving? That I can't, but God never said I could. Jesus can, and he promised that he would through me, in and through me. That's something to be thankful for as this week unfolds. This Thanksgiving, give thanks to God regardless of your circumstances. And if you can, during your most discouraging moments, think a minute about how you are part of an uncanceled parade, even when it doesn't feel like it from moment to moment. Bow your heads, please. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today. To learn more about The Tabernacle, please visit our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. There you may access additional Tabernacle Today podcasts as well as other resources. If you don't have a church home or happen to be visiting the area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our weekly services. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Tabernacle Today.